0: I was sick, and you looked after me.
1: I needed a teacher,
2: and you inspired me. I was lost, and you prayed for me. I was addicted, and you helped me break free. a mentor and you were there for me
1: i felt alone and you showed me true community
2: you helped me experience
0: the
3: joy of worship
1: you made me feel welcome and safe
3: you gave me the strength to keep going
2: to Jesus.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you here at church. We're glad you're able to worship with us here at College Hill Community. Uh, Thanks for being here today. It's our hope that as you're here, uh, you'll grow in your understanding of God's love and his will for your life. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, We want to give you an opportunity. I know that there's been many smiles shared, but I want to encourage you to just turn to someone next to you and smile. Let them know that you're glad to see them here today. There's no extra announcements, right, besides Thanks so much for sharing your smiles. We want to invite you to back to your seats. Just a couple of quick announcements as, as we continue to uh, move forward with our worship service today. Uh, first of all, we also want to welcome those who are watching online. Thank you for joining with us today. Uh, for those who would like to uh, worship through tithes and offerings, you can do that online, or there's receptacles as you exit the sanctuary. If you're here uh, at our physical site today, you can uh, give your tithes and your offerings there if you're interested. We wanted to highlight today, um, our church uh, often does a fall festival. This year, we are planning on doing a fall festival again. I have a question. For those of you who are present here today, how many of you have been to Collegedale Communities Fall Festival before? Raise your hand if you done that before. Several of you have been there before. If you have, you know, it's a very, very fun event. If you haven't come before, we want to encourage you to come. It's a great time to get to know people from this community, and it's it's in an environment that's that's very enjoyable. So our fall festival this year is going to be October 17 from 3 to 6. There's going to be fun food, games, a chili cook-off, a pumpkin decorating contest, a petting zoo, live music, all sorts of fun things for you. But we want to encourage you to put that uh, in your calendars and then continue to check your bulletins for updates about that event, as well as other opportunities to be involved with what's going on here at this church. Um, but I wanted to make sure that you, you were, were aware of that. We also wanted to invite you to um, fill out a Connect card. If there's anything we can be praying about for you, you'll find a Connect card in the pews in front of you, or if you're watching online, you can find a Connect card at the website. That's a way for us to understand um, the different ways that we can support you through prayer, or if you have any comments or concerns, you can put those there as well. With that said, let's start with prayer, and I want to invite all who are able to, to kneel as we approach our Heavenly Father. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you that we can come here today to worship you. Lord, we thank you for being a God um, who's worthy of our praise. God who's so patient with us and loving. A God who wants to be and is a Father who uh, shows us love in so many different ways. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for the security that you give us. Thank you for salvation that you give us through Jesus. Lord, I know that there are many here today that are coming here praising you for good things, Lord, perhaps celebrating another year of life soon. Some are celebrating good things happening in their jobs or their families. Uh, Some are celebrating the good things that you've been bringing into their lives, Lord, as they're growing closer to you. And we thank you for those things, Lord. And we also understand that there are some here who have recently gone through loss. Others are concerned about family and friends. And Father, we just ask that you would be very close to these individuals right now, Please make them aware of your, your presence and bring your comfort into their lives. Father, um, please bless as we worship you today. Help us to understand you more. And thank you so much for your love. We ask this in your name. Amen.
3: Good morning, everyone, and happy Sabbath. Um, I'm happy to happy to be here. How many of you raise your hand if you're happy to be here this weekend? All right, I'm happy too. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but it's you uh, know, I was younger. The Sabbath was um, something that I was you know a little nervous about. But now that I'm older, I'm very thankful to have a break, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are too. Um, Before we start singing here, uh, I wanna share a verse with you. It's um, Psalms 51 verse 10. It says, um, create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And um, this song that we're about to sing is called From the Inside Out. And uh, I just want you to sing that song and and think about um, how God's working in us uh, to change us. So please sing along with us. At this time, we would like to invite Heather and Darlene to perform our special music this morning.
0: Good morning and happy Sabbath.
2: is thy faithful
0: Thank you, ladies. It was a beautiful song. We live in troubled times. We live in difficult times. On Tuesday at staff meeting, um, having been informed of another passing in the church, I told the staff, I said, "I I don't know whether to continue with the series in the Sermon on the Mount or just have one massive funeral sermon because people are filled with sorrow and anxiety right now. It is, it is very real, and um, I hope you are taking this illness, that uh, this plague, whatever it is, I hope you are taking it seriously. People are dying. And um, what I want to do before I pray, I would like you to think of the person on either side of you, and we're going to bow our heads, and I want you to say a prayer for them, both of them, either side. If there's someone across the aisle, that still qualifies. Pray that they'll be in heaven. Father in heaven, we do pray that everyone here will spend eternity with you. And we're asking that today, for some, that journey may begin. We're praying for miracles to take place. We're asking for lives to be changed for courage to be given, for strength, for resolve, for understanding, discernment, knowledge. Whatever it is we need, Lord, please, by Your grace, through the power of Your Holy Spirit and Your spoken and written Word, may we be strengthened for the task at hand. Please be the one who teaches us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, our passage today, will include verses 13 through 16. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and that's what will appear on the screen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Similitude is a person or thing resembling another, and Jesus is saying here in this similitude that his followers are salt and light. The context of this is following what is known as the Beatitudes. Beatitudes mean the blessings, and uh, you will not be salt, you will not be light unless you have experienced the Beatitudes in your life. The verses 3 through 12 are describing the character of a follower of Jesus. Verses 13 through 16 is describing the influence of a follower of Jesus. We live in a world that is decaying. We live in a world of darkness and salt and light have a very important and special meaning in this world in which we live. But none of us will be salt, none of us will be light, unless we experience what we have been walking through for the last couple months. Let us refresh ourselves. Chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is describing the person who recognizes they have absolutely nothing to offer God. They are spiritually bankrupt. I got nothing. That person who comes to that conclusion with that level of humility is reaching out for a Savior. They'll find the Savior. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We go on in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is describing the experience of a person who has embraced Jesus as their Savior, and they recognize the cost, sin brought to Him, to others, and to themselves, and they mourn for that. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is not something to strive for. This is a promise. To those who are that humble before God. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There is a promise here that for those of us who seek after God as one hungering and one thirsting, we will be saturated by His love and His presence in our lives. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This is describing a person who seeks to understand life from the vantage point of others, walking in their shoes, so to speak. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is describing a metal with no alloy in it, a purity of product, a singleness of purpose, if you will. Dedicated to God, pure. Verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. This is in distinct opposite of the troublemakers. And then verses 10 through 12, we studied last week about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. The people, Jesus says, who are that humble before God, who are experiencing him on this type of level, he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You cannot take this verse out of context and understand its meaning. Unless Jesus Christ dwells in our heart as our Lord and Savior, we are not the salt of the earth. If he dwells there, we are the salt of the earth. In the ancient world, salt was of great value. Jesus is saying here, when you experience him through salvation, you are of great value, tremendous value. If you study history, you'll discover that civilizations built, ancient civilizations built towns near where they could get salt. It was that important. Trade became available across regions and countries because of salt and its preservative ability. It was even used for wages back in ancient Rome, and the Latin word for salt means salary. You may have heard the phrase, not worth his salt, that means somebody's not pulling their fair share for what they're being paid. Salt in the ancient times was associated with purity. Even babies when they were born were rubbed with salt. It was also part of the sacrificial system that the Jews participated in as salt was part of the ceremony salt added flavor to food, but where it got its import was as a preservative. You see, the minute you catch a fish or you kill an animal, the flesh begins to decay, rot and deteriorate, and salt was a preservative and it kept people alive and civilizations moved upon its importance. You are important, Jesus says. You are salt, the salt of the earth. He goes on and says, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus goes on to the next similitude, Salt was of great value to the ancient world, and light was as well. And what's interesting is that from the smallest, most poverty, um, most uh, well, humble home to the wealthiest, each home would have salt and light in it. Everyone, everyone could relate to salt and light. Light has the single purpose of dispelling darkness. As you know, darkness has no energy. Darkness simply is the absence of light. And light is an energy force to dispel darkness. But light is also associated with truth. We see that in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, talking about Jesus. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. When we go to John 3, verses 19 through 21, we discover the conflict between light and darkness. In John 3, verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Light to dispel darkness. Light associated with truth. Light, such a powerful force. Jesus himself would say later in the Gospels, He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we kind of get a general feel for this. It's very important to note at this point in our study that light and darkness cannot coexist. Salt and... Rot or decay or deterioration cannot coexist. There are two worlds. There is the spiritual realm of those who are in Christ, and there's the rest. There's a narrow gate, there's a wide gate. There's two paths. That's all. No more. It's pretty easy to make up our mind, it's crystal clear. And Jesus is saying here, The salt cannot, does not, relate to the rot of our society and culture. It is in opposition to it and fights against it. Light is not dark, cannot dwell in the dark, will not dwell in the dark, and will shine against the dark. There's opposition here there is polarization, there is pain, and there are problems. So let's look at Matthew 5, 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He is saying, you're of great value. The world in which we live is a place of decay, a place of rot, a place of deterioration, but the influence of a Christian is against the contamination of evil. The very presence of a godly person is there to stop the contamination of evil. But Jesus is very clear what happens if the salt loses its flavor. In other words, what if it loses its effectiveness? What happens to the follower of Jesus who is assimilated to non-Christians and contaminated by the influences of the world? We live in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Our lives will be lived, not forcefully or purposely, but certainly against the world. We will not march against lifestyles we disapprove of. We will in love, though, not accept them as being from God, lifestyles, teachings, and practices that are not accordance to Scripture. You see, the influence of Christians in and on society depends on them being distinct, not identical. And down through time, the church, every, every generation seemingly stumbles upon the same foolish path. And that is, we as a church need to be relevant. So we need to reach out into the world and allow as much of the world as we can into the church so it will show them we're accepting and we're in loving and we are loving, and it's almost as if acceptance becomes the new religion, tolerance, acceptance. But the Christians that seek for relevance justify worldly practices and beliefs. They conform to culture. They lose their witness, and Jesus says, they're good for nothing. That's an awful indictment. Good for nothing. Light in Matthew 5, the light of the world. Light is to show the way out of darkness. We look at Matthew chapter 28, the very last words of Jesus recorded by Matthew. Jesus is about to go up to heaven, and he says in Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In verse 19, Go, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. This is light, this is truth, this is mission, this is purpose. The first thing Jesus says is to make disciples. A disciple is someone disciplined in the ways of the one they're following. Jesus is saying, Church, your number one priority is to make followers of him. Number one, there are many, many, many decent and good causes. And there are many, many people clamoring for the church's resources and times to participate in those causes. But listen, friends, the prism that our activities have to go through is, is this going to make somebody a follower of Jesus or not? We may make the planet better But if we are not making followers of Jesus, we have failed at what God called us to do. You can insert any cause you want into that sentence or into that statement, unless our activities are making followers of Jesus, we have failed as a church. Followers of Jesus, it goes on. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is something that Jesus holds us to, promises to be with us, and will empower us to do till he returns. It's what the church is for. It is here to make disciples, and to teach people to observe all the things God has commanded. There is tremendous pressure in our culture to be tolerant. Tremendous pressure to accept things we know intuitively are wrong. It's uncomfortable, it's difficult, it's painful, especially if it involves people you know and love. But Jesus says the church will be empowered by Him to make disciples and to teach. What's the purpose of the church? Make disciples and to teach what Jesus taught us to keep His commands. Now, I want to help you with another metaphor from Scripture. Jesus likens in His Word a minister to a shepherd. We know that. So if the minister is a shepherd, what are those members of the congregation? They're sheep, that's right. And the role and the purpose of the shepherd is to protect those sheep from wolves, other animals, from disease, anything that could destroy, hurt, maim, anyone that could steal, Any damage that could come to the flock, the shepherd is responsible to try to avoid it. The shepherd is responsible to take the flock where they can eat, to take the flock where they can find water, to take the flock where they will be safe, to watch over, to care for, and to fight for the flock. How does the flock increase? Sheep reproduce sheep. The shepherd teaches so you will be growing in your understanding of God. Unfortunately, over the years, the process may have created fat, lazy sheep. Well how how does a sheep reproduce? Well, I'm not going to talk about biology. But I'm going to talk about the church, light and salt. First of all, you know no one cares what you have to say unless it's obvious you care. And that's the first part of the Beatitudes, that humble person that Jesus says, you're salt and you're light. The good works that are identified by Jesus that the people with the light will be a caring spirit and attitude towards family members, friends, neighbors, those in your sphere, those in your circle. And the, the church is here to help you win yourself and your family to the Lord so that you can benefit from the teaching of God's Word be discipled in the ways of Jesus and to understand what He commands. And the way that it works is really quite simple. The New Testament was built by invitation. Peter preaches 3,000 are baptized. The people go out and they tell their friends, hey, you got to come hear this. This is amazing stuff. Now you may wonder, why am I being so elementary here? You know all that. Well, I'm doing this for a reason. There's great confusion about what the purpose of the church is for. There's great confusion about what it should be teaching and doing. Let me ask you something. Is the church here for the community? Is the church here for the church. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches – you may be shocked at this – the church is here for the church. The church is here for the church members to grow in, in their knowledge and understanding of God. And it's here as a place for you to bring family and friends so they can learn about God. Over time, things get a little confusing. The church growth movement of the 1980s and other movements that have come and gone is the church is for the community. The church is for the community. Get out into the community. Get out into the community. Who knows how many people have been fed? Who knows how many people have been clothed? Who knows how many people have fill in the blank who died and went to a grave with no hope of eternity with God. All those things are good. But if the purpose is not to lead them to Jesus Christ, can you see how they're a good thing that becomes a distraction? All that the church does All its resources must first and foremost be placed upon the church itself so that those sheep are healthy and the healthy sheep will go out and will invite other people to come to church. When's the last time you asked somebody to come to church? When's the last time you shared a sermon? we make copies every single week when's the last time you asked someone how they're doing can I pray for you salt and light are the representation of Jesus in the world all around us right now people are crying out for help They're, they're feeling hopeless they're scared we've got a government that who can trust We've got an economy that, who knows? We've got diseases that's rampant all around us. We've got chaos, confusion, and anger. You can't even drive to work without somebody being angry with you because you might be going too slow or too fast. All this tension, the world is crying out for help. Have you thought about walking over to your neighbor's house and just saying, you know what? I want to pray for you and your family. Something that simple. There are millions of people on this planet that have never heard their name mentioned in a prayer. I remember the first time my name was mentioned in a prayer. I thought, wow, that's amazing. There are so many simple, kind acts to help point people towards hope in Christ. The question is, are we involved? I, I want to say this very clear, very clear, if we're not involved in trying to move people towards Christ. We are good for nothing. Does that make sense? It's what the Bible says. Good for nothing. So Jesus says, you are the salt. You are the light. You are of great value. You are for preserving, flavoring, fighting against rot. Don't do it. You're good for nothing. It's a joke. You've taken the name of Jesus in vain. You are the light of the world, a light to shine in the darkness a light that will dispel the gloom in Matthew 5 verse 16. We're going to show you that verse. This is actually the amplified version of the Bible, which is a Bible that takes the Greek, adds enough English words to really get the full meaning of the verse. It simply says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Wow. Not happening unless... We have humbled ourselves before God, embraced Jesus as our Savior, and asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we might be salt and we might be light. I have a simple, simple appeal today, and that is, is there anyone here who would like to say to God, I want to be salt. I want to be light. If you want to say that to God, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, we can't do this without you. We recognize that. We're not even motivated to do it without you, so we're acknowledging Our tremendous need is for you. We ask Jesus to come into our hearts. We ask him to save us from ourselves, from our awful, sinful, selfish selves. And we ask for the courage and the wisdom to be salt, to be light. May we glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing as we have our closing song.
3: Um, As we sing this song, I want everybody to uh, just think about Kind of tying into what Pastor Arnold was saying here about, um, you know, we live in a world where there's a lot of different opinions, there's a lot of different things to get caught up in. Um, but what matters is focusing on God, and uh, this song is is about is about focusing on God, letting Him be our atmosphere, and you know, just thinking about like Peter, uh, out on the waves, you know. When he lost his focus on God, he started to sink into the waves. And so this song, let it just be a, a prayer for you this, this, this morning, this afternoon, just to remind you to, to focus on God every day.
2: This is the
0: turn may we all be found ready to meet him in peace when he appears father in heaven I pray for these dear dear people I ask that you will continue watching over them and their families that you would bless them I pray your presence would be so real that their faith in you would be strong I'm asking Lord that you will hear their prayers and that you will answer those prayers according to your will. We all are praying that you will save our children, our family members, our loved ones, and our friends. We thank you, and we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless, and go in peace.